0: Welcome to The Bomb Squad, where we appreciate the underappreciated. I'm filmmaker Andrew Hada. I'm here with my co-host Joshua Epp. And we're here to talk about movies. Now, for the last few weeks, we've been kind of cheating because the goal of the podcast is to watch movies that are underappreciated, like Stir of Echoes, that people... You know, either missed or or didn't see or you know should watch again, but it's also to kind of watch movies that are universally despised and kind of find the good in them, and uh and that's mostly because I feel like most film criticism is terrible. Like if you look at film Twitter, half the half the things are like, hey, what's the worst movie you've ever seen? What was the last time you walked out of a out of a uh, movie theater what what what's the worst movie of 2020 and it's like that's boring it's boring to talk about bad movies especially like you know like a movie like josh what's a terrible movie (laughs) let's do the thing that we're trying not to do like if you look at a movie like i don't know off the top of my head be
1: cool, be be cool. cool yeah cool like
0: yeah it. be cool if you look at be cool it's like okay this is why this movie's bad um but it's clearly trying it's like clearly not trying to be bad like nobody nobody's passion project was be cool you know <laughs> but i feel like even be cool like be cool has a pretty awesome performance by the rock even if it's shaded in terrible film and it has a pretty good funny joke about only being able to say the F word one time in a PG-13 movie. So go watch the first yeah. five seconds of Be Cool and then <laughs> yes. turn it off. That's yeah, funny because
1: that's the only thing I could remember yeah, about the movie too. being Good. I'm like, no, that's a good joke. You know, and then the rest just washes over me. Yeah. yeah,
0: But, um, yeah, and that's the point is to kind of find movies. Like, if a movie's bad, like, we're still going to try to find the good in it. Yeah. Um, and we've been kind of slacking on that, like we did. We came out of the of the gate hot with Freddy's Dead, <laughs> and then we kind of stopped trying because we were just watching good movies. But we're back, and we've decided to do something that we hadn't done ever so far. We do it in real life, but not here. We uh, we picked a movie that neither of us had seen before that's universally panned, and we're gonna try to find the good in it. And so, this week, we chose to watch Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, directed by Kenneth Branagh, starring Kenneth Branagh, uh, rewritten by Kenneth Branagh, <laughs> and ruined by Kenneth Branagh. Um, and it also stars... <laughs> Kenneth Branagh plays Victor Frankenstein. Uh, what's his name? Robert De Niro plays the monster, which was hotly contested. It's like the thing everyone knows about it. Um, is that Robert De Niro played Frankenstein, and or Frankenstein's monster? Even though he does declare at the end that he's the son of Frankenstein, so technically they would have the last same last name. So, ha ha, take that internet! Um, and then Helen Helena Bottom Carter plays Frankenstein's wife, which we'll get into. Josh is gonna explain what the movie is about.
1: It's about Frankenstein, the man having a bit of a time of it. Uh.
0: Okay, if someone <laughs> hasn't, if someone doesn't know what Frankenstein, is, let's say they're like, "Hey, all right."
1: So he's a doctor who becomes obsessed with bringing the dead back to life, and he succeeds regrets his choice and is at odds with the monster man he has created it's the general premise of
0: the yeah, film yeah i feel like everyone knows about frankenstein's monster that's why i made josh do a plot synopsis uh i josh have you ever read the book no i've no. never read the book either but i have watched the wishbone episode and i feel like that's kind of the <laughs> same thing I also like. I've I seen like...
1: Young Frankenstein. That's yeah. I've seen that's Young. That's my only.
0: Well, and I I love the Universal horror movies. I Actually, did a Universal horror movie myself called The Hound. go check it out, it's on YouTube. I'll put a link in the description. But yeah, I mean, I had never really, I don't know, I I never really like connected to the story of Frankenstein, so I never like wanted to read it. Um, also, this movie was made after Bram Stoker's. And then I feel like you should just
1: re say that again because you keep calling him Bram Stroker. What's his name? <laughs> Bram Stoker. There's no R. Oh, I'm thinking of Stroker and Hoop, the uh, the Adult Swim show from like twelve years ago. I'm
0: thinking of Stroker, that movie with that girl I like, whose name I'll never be able to pronounce.
1: Oh, the one from Alice in Wonderland. I just saw that movie recently.
0: I'm cutting this out on man. drugs.
1: I don't give a shit. And it, it was fine. Yeah,
0: that's how i felt and i wasn't on drugs so that's our <laughs> review of Stro- um no okay so this movie was made after bram stoker's dracula directed by francis ford coppola it was supposed to be directed by francis ford coppola but he kind of stopped so that kenneth Branagh could make it um and it's he like produced, produced it, it. Though, yeah, so, so it, it yeah so it almost feels like i know that it was kind of marketed as an almost sequel, like they were trying to do like a universal horror pictures cinematic universe. And you kind of felt that if this movie had succeeded, they would have moved on to like H.G. Wells' Invisible Man or something like that. But it did not succeed. It was universally panned. It, it bombed in the box office. And I feel like it didn't do it for the reasons that people say, but it should have done it either way. <laughs> But, and if you look, like, I looked at the trivia, and the only real trivia is, like, uh, it was written by Frank Darabout, who created The Walking Dead. Well, he did the TV show. He also wrote Shawshank Redemption and The Mist. And he, he wrote this script, and then he got in fights with Kenneth Branagh, and he's disowned the movie. And then Francis Ford Coppola produced the movie. Then he got in fights with Kenneth Branagh, and then he disowned the movie. <laughs> so there seems to be one. There seems to be a common link as to why people don't like this movie. But um, Josh, what were your first thoughts about? See,
1: that? that is interesting though to me because when I hear about like this, like a super contentious director, like David O. Russell or something, it's like, oh, he gets in fights with everyone, and people like hate him and won't we'll work with him again. But you can clearly see his like passion on screen, you know? Like, even if you dislike whatever movie of his you're watching, you can kind of see, like, what he put into it. But with this movie, it's like, oh, it didn't seem like anyone was passionate about this. (laughs) Like, like, it seems very... I think the biggest problem, um, like, overall, I mean, there's a lot of, like, little problems, obviously, but is that it's not... Like, I had just seen Bram Stoker's Dracula, and it's not, like the best but it is kind of like scary and unnerving this movie never really it seems like he didn't want it to be a horror movie so much as like Kind of a whimsical adventure romance that just happens to have, like, a monster in it. Well, and
0: and I kind of agree with what you're saying in a similar way. We're like, okay, and I don't want to spend the whole day talking about Bram Stoker's Dracula. And at the end, we'll get to the good things in this movie. But let's talk about the bad things because there's a lot. But, yeah, I do kind of feel like the movie, other than not being scary, it also, like, wants to be, like... If you watch Brown Stoker's Dracula, it's grand in a way that, like, the sets are huge and everything. But, like, the also the action's grand. Like, you see, even when Dracula comes out and you see his shadow is, like, a different interpretation of what Dracula is. Like, it's, like, his inner monologue almost. Um, that's, like, creepy and scary. Like, this movie doesn't have anything like that. And it's... But it does have, like, really sweeping music all the time. Even when they're just sitting there talking. (laughs) It feels like it wants to be this grand thing. But the story isn't that. Like, the story is grounded. And so it's, like, constantly at odds where every time I heard the music. And the music's not bad. It just never fit any of the scenes that it was supposed to. (laughs) And it's such a weird, like, it's such a weird take on it and that's what Frank was said I read an interview with him about this movie and he said that you know Mary Shelley's Frankenstein the book is subtle in its in its terror and that's what he was going for and Kenneth Branagh like took a mallet to it and, like, just <laughs> yeah like, that's
1: very like, like, like oh this is an interesting premise or there's moments where it's just uh like I think probably the best overall is just kind of like quiet moments of the monster talking to people um And it's kind of strange, because it's like, oh, this is where the dialogue actually, like, kind of feels something, because it's not this weird, sweeping music. I don't know. It it is very strange. Um, Like, just, it's just tonally all over the place, too. Um, Yeah. There's this kind of, not even just in, like, I mean, the music definitely doesn't help set the mood, but, like... In the very, I could just, can I just get like really quickly give you the first ten minutes of this movie? Yeah, because <laughs> I also want to talk about it, the first ten minutes. So go ahead. It goes, it goes from this. It's it's one of those big opening like text narrations okay. talking about this ship that wants this the explorer who wants to reach the North Pole. And then it cuts from that text narration to the ship itself, like kind of crashing into icebergs and stuff like that. And this big sweeping thing—the ship crashes, and then they, and then they have this man who's running towards the ship from like the Arctic, like ice flows, and is like, "You have to help me kill him." And uh, you find out right away that it's Victor Frankenstein, you know, and he starts telling his story. And then it cuts to him 30, like, yeah, I did not yeah. even, I, it's like he's a child. Right. And it cuts to, like, it tells you the year. And you so you know it's, like, earlier because he's a child. And then it's just this, like, one-minute scene of, like, here's your new sister, Victor. And then it cuts to 20-ish years later. Right. And then it immediately cuts to three years later. And then it cuts to, like, a year later. Like, it's, it's, it just smash cuts all I, over this guy's life, like... I don't know. It's very bizarre. It's almost like all of this was in the book and they were like, we have to include all of it, but we don't really have time, so let's just cram it in.
0: Okay, so speaking of that, yeah, like, and I think, first of all, that does have a point, and i like to, because like, this is what I wanted to say. At the very beginning, he talks to the captain and he goes, let me tell, because the captain's like, who is that creature and why do you want to kill him? And then Victor Frankenstein's like, oh let me tell you the story about this creature and who i want to start and then it cuts back to when he's a kid and i just wanted them to cut back to the captain and he's like oh we're gonna go that far like we're gonna go all the way to you <laughs> yeah. to you and your right. kid and it's like it's, also it's just, yeah it's such a
1: weird <laughs> setup that you didn't even there's so many scenes you didn't need yeah like, so well, so much setup you don't need in this movie, you know. And
0: then like, and another worst part about it is okay because then it cuts to him being introduced to his stepsister played by and Karner. and then it cuts to him, um, like his mom comes in while he's a when he's a student, he's about to go to medical school or something, and like, and this is one of the this is another part that like, and it perfectly sums up the movie. Like the mom goes and sits next to Victor Frankenstein. And she's like, hey, Victor, um, Oh, ever since you were a kid, all you wanted to do was have knowledge. And you were so smart. You're the smartest in your class. But you have to remember to have some fun, like, with your sister. Spend more time with her. You guys have such a good chemistry. And much like Josh, she just rattles on. and (laughs) She's just giving exposition. And that happens, like, almost every single time anyone talks. Like, if, like... I honestly think that if Victor Brana had it like he wanted, it would have just been him standing in front of an empty screen reading the book. Because like, <laughs> like the only times that he can't show—I mean, he can't tell instead of show—is when someone's literally being murdered. <laughs> and even then, sometimes he explains what's fucking <laughs> happening. And it's but he also like the way he does it
1: too. It's not. Like, when it, whenever at the very beginning, it does the opening narration crawl to, to explain why this ship is there, and then immediately the ship crashes, and the captain gets into an argument with his first mate about, like, his, like, obsessive desire to reach the North Pole, and it's like, why didn't you just kind of throw in a little bit more text to explain why they're there? Why do you have an opening narration and this? It's like you're framing the framing of your story. Yeah, you see and, what I'm saying. And like, like,
0: and for the audience, for the guys who haven't seen this yet, yeah, keep in mind that the opening narration is not about Victor warned of Frankenstein's monster. It's about the ship that's gonna find them at the beginning, who's trying to find the South Pole or North Pole. It has nothing to do with any part of the movie. Yeah. And then the first thing that happens, like Josh says, is like they get stuck, and they're like, "We're never gonna reach the North Pole." And he's like, "I have to." And he's like. You're going to have mutiny, and it's like, okay, guys, you've now told us this information that we don't even need to understand the story we're watching twice. And again, you haven't shown us, like, they could have very well shown, like, the crew, like, getting more annoyed and being like, we're not going to go any further. But it's just, like, the the first mate saying, oh, yeah, they're going to mutiny against you, and I'm going to (laughs) help. It's like, okay. Yeah, and it's such a... Because that captain...
1: And I still remember his name, Robert Watson, because of the opening narration, but I don't really remember Victor's dad's name or anything <laughs> about his character. And I'm like, that seems more important that I know that. But we, we don't really get that, you know? It's yeah. Like, like, you're like, why did you choose to focus on this? Or, okay, so... The, they, the, like, the
0: tagline for this movie should be called Why did you choose to focus on
1: this? <laughs> like... There's this weird, there's this weird moment where it cuts to him about to go to medical school and his mom is about to give birth and the dad, um, I wish I knew that actor's name. I just know he plays Bilbo Baggins in the Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Uh, I
0: want to say it's Ian Holm, but I don't think it is. I think that's... I think
1: you're right, actually. Um, but, so he's giving birth. The mom... It is Ian Holm. It is Ian Holm. Yeah. Okay. He's good. He's he's a really good actor. Yeah, he's great. Um, and he everyone... does good in this. He's just barely in it. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone in this is good. I mean, I don't know about. Him. Well, anyway, we'll get into that. But, okay, so he's like he's like about to go to medical school. His mom is pregnant, which does seem dicey in the seventeen hundreds that you're like forty five and pregnant. But you know, whatever. She 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 dies giving child giving birth to the child, and then it just shows him at her grave going like I vow I will like find a way to to bring life to the dead so this like you know I will bring you back and it's like this it's like oh this is the defining moment of his character you know it's like him standing over her grave right and it is it works okay the very next scene is him like setting up for like his experiments that he plans to do and like but like laughing and joking with his sister about it like he's not even grieving (laughs) for more than one scene before he's like i love my sister i think i think i want to have sex with her yeah it's such a jarring shift to where it's like you don't even make him sad for for like the movie until i don't even like it's just such a Like, you know, this should be this weird, like, oh, this melancholy where he can never truly be happy even though he cares for other people. But it really doesn't come across that way. He's just kind of like, well, that sucks that she died anyway.
0: And I think one of the... Well, and first of all, let me just say the scene where the mom dies is, like, one of the best shot scenes. Because it's, like, close up in these weird wide-angle lens. And it's kind of unnerving. And you're, like, kind of thrust into the the delivery as you know something's wrong. Um, But, yeah like immediately afterwards he's like okay with it and i think that's the problem like if you look at a better movie like the prestige hugh jackman looks like he's obsessed like even though he does joke around and he's like a likable character he comes off as obsessed with kenneth Branagh never really comes off as obsessed with anything you know and so it's hard to like he
1: kind of just comes across as just kind of like mildly annoyed
0: by things yeah you
1: know he's yeah,
0: and I think it's also due to the fact that the movie's just rushing through the whole thing, even though it <laughs> yeah it feels like every scene lasts forever. <laughs> it's just like I don't know it. There's nothing there, but like okay, so let's go back to one of the other things. So Helena Bart Carter, she plays the sister, and like so the first scene is like the first thing we see Victor in the flashback. It's him as a little kid. They introduce that he has a new stepsister, and they say, I want you to treat her like the stepsister. And then there's, like, another scene that's weird where they, like, catch lightning. I don't know what the fuck that scene was. But then, like, (laughs) the next scene after his mom dies, it's them, like, at a party. And uh, and he he takes, like, they're dancing. He takes her away, and then she's, like, kissing him. And I'm like, wait, isn't that her sister? And then he goes, first you were my sister. (laughs) Now I want you to be my wife. And I don't know if in the book they were brother and sister. And obviously back in the time, maybe it wasn't as big a deal to marry your sister. But we're not watching a movie that was made back then. We're watching a movie now. And clearly no other fucking um, Frankenstein story has not only decided... Like, they've all skipped that part. And it feels like this movie not only doesn't want to skip that they're brother and sister... But it wants to really reiterate because when he asked her to marry her, she she he says that thing about, first my sister, now my wife. And she goes like, But I'm your sister. And it's like, why do you keep reminding me of this? <laughs> yeah. It's such it's a that, weird choice. Like, I mean, it,
1: it, it is a very weird cause it, it's like it's a ge- like the Royal Tenenbaums, that's kind of a joke is that even though she's not a sister by blood, they grew up together. So of course, everyone finds it weird. Right. And this movie just kind of like takes it as a fact that he would want this and it's like a normal, it's, it almost like paints it as like, no, no, his normal life is wanting to sleep with a sister. It's his experiments that are crazy. And I think even
0: know? someone at one point says, why don't you, why don't you fuck your sister something like that? One of the old ladies is like, why don't you spend more time with your sister? You know you guys like each other. It's like, but <laughs> oh, why Why do you call her your sister all the time?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's very it's very weird. Um, they also do what I thought was another setup after that. I was like, all right. They had to get through all his backstory, and now they're going to get, like... Here's what they want to focus on. Because they make a big point of once he gets to college, he's kind of, like, calling out the professor. We spend so
0: much time in college, by the way. There's <laughs> yeah, so many they, scenes.
1: In the very first scene... They, like, introduce, here's his, like, schoolyard chum. Here's his schoolyard bully. Here's this. Here's these, like, different professors.
0: And then you do not see
1: her <laughs> interact with most of these. Like, I do not think the bully is in another scene Yeah, in and movie.
0: I know the friend like, comes back anytime they need another man to, like, tell Victor something. But, they <laughs> yeah, do, like, you don't see half those people. I don't even think the teacher he yells at comes back until, like, he, because he talks to john cleese after that john huh?
1: cleese yeah. yeah is the i also don't know if this is part of the original uh, frankenstein but in this one it essentially the reason john cleese takes him under his wing is he was doing the same like experiments to bring the dead back to life but was kind of like oh they went too far so i stopped it so it's not like like it almost takes away from the character that it's like oh he <laughs> didn't like become obsessive and then learn this he just found another guy's notes and was like yeah let's do this yeah see it out yeah and it's weird right yeah
0: because i saw and i don't i don't like um max landis because he's problematic but he made like another movie about (laughs) victor frankenstein and it's also not very good but in that movie like it kind of shows him like experimenting with like animals he tries to bring like a dog back to life or even like in the fly when they're like there's always that Oh, we're gonna try it on this little thing first. Like in the fly, he brings like a he, he transports a, a dog, you know, or a monkey, and then um, but there's it's none of that in too. this. It's just like them talking about about how they can do it, and like some of the doctors being like, "Don't do it." And then, yeah, the dog is from part two. I shouldn't have said that. I just cut off myself. Um, and then the, then John Cleese is like, yeah, we can do it. And then they just kind of do it. Like, there's no, like, fun. And I, I mean, like, in a horror movie, that would be the fun, like, seeing a grotesque thing come back to life. It's just like they're just sitting around talking about everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it was like, I don't know if that friend is in the book, but I think that friend was supposed to be Igor because he kind of helps a little bit. but I don't know. Everything is just so like cut and dry in the most boring way. And again, you don't see like he doesn't create the monster for about. I think it's 48 minutes before the monster is introduced <laughs> into the movie. And it's like so you're spending a lot of time in medical school just like watching these people talk about the merits of of bringing someone <laughs> yeah, back to and, life
1: and they did kind of the letters with his sister i mean this the romance with the sister is mostly what the movie ends up being about like if you yeah. kind of follow it as the through line cuz yeah the monster does show up and is kind of like you know a problem but it's always about the sister in a way
0: yeah it is like and i you know i think in the book i know that the sister is more of a character than especially the first movie i don't even think well i mean the love interest (laughs) i don't even think in the first movie the love interest is like given that much time but um but yeah this is mostly about how much victor wants to uh franken the sister (laughs) and also it's always weird to me like because in, you know, in most movies where you bring someone back to life, and even in this movie, eventually, you're, like, bringing back someone that you want to, like, return from the dead, you know? Like, in The Fountain, if you've ever seen The Fountain, Hugh Jackman's trying to save his wife from dying, or he wants to bring her back from the dead. She... And The Fountain is
1: so good. Yeah, The Fountain oh. is good.
0: And it's also kind of a Victor Frankenstein movie. But anyway, um, but yeah, you see, like, their obsession, but their obsession is based around one person. Where in this one, his obsession is just about ending death, not specifically for any reason, because his mom's already dead. It's just like, oh, I want to bring people back to life just to prove I can do it. But also, I don't care that much about this situation. I think it's like, Victor Frankenstein, he doesn't have any clear motivation. Like, yeah, he's motivated to bring his, to end death, because his mom died. But it's such, like, an abstract thing, you know?
1: Yeah, and they don't, like... And I kind of almost thought it would be one of those things where he, like, tries to get his mom back. Or so, but it's almost like the movie forgets that's <laughs> the reason he does it. Yeah. Because, yeah, it's... I don't know. It's very weird. Also,
0: real fast, before we jump into Once He Creates the Monster, I just want to talk about... There's this scene at the beginning where they're, like, in the... <laughs> In the mountains, and I mentioned this a little bit before, but then they see a rain cloud, and they're literally, like, freaking the fuck out about this rain cloud, and they're, like, running from it, and they're, like, oh, no! And, like, one of them has a baby, and they're, like, what are we gonna do? So Victor, like, makes, like, a lightning conductor and, like, lays a piece of leather on the ground, and they all sit down and hold hands, and the lightning hits it, and they're, like, we're saved, and then, like, they have static electricity, And then Hellebarn and Carter goes, we're alive, which I guess is a throwback to It's Alive. And then that scene just ends. I don't know what the fuck that (laughs) scene was about.
1: That scene is immediately after the scene where the mom dies, by the way, which is such a bizarre, again, like, it's so jarring like that scene on its own is is bizarre, but the fact that it's immediately after Mother, I will avenge you, you know? Yeah, and is it's also so the weird. scene
0: I think it's the scene where they, they set it up by saying you should spend more time with your hot sister. <laughs> you should spend some <laughs> yeah. time with your hot sister and her hot bod. Um and yeah, it is it like when I was watching it, I was like, Is this from the book? What is this? Because I know in the book they don't use electricity to bring the monster back to life. And in the movie, this is kind of like, oh, look, they're using, they're setting up that they're going to use electricity. <laughs> so it's just kind of like, yeah. it's just there. It's just there to be there because Kenneth Brown wanted that scene for no reason. Um, but yeah, the, for, like, I would say that you could skip the first 30 minutes of this movie and not really <laughs> lose anything. Um, yeah,
1: I will say, like, once, once the monster is created and escapes, you, you are interested for a while. You're like, okay. I like, cause it just kind of like, you just start following him like very abruptly and it doesn't actually go back to Victor for a while. And you're like, right. all right, this is actually pretty interesting. And know? like,
0: yeah, once he starts making the monster, like that scene was good. Cause there's like a lot of moving parts and they can't just explain what's happening. They have to actually show it. Uh, and then he creates the monster, the monster escapes and everything. And like, um, yeah, I think, I think now we can kind of talk about the good stuff in it. Uh, I think, to me, the only good thing was the thing that I thought was going to ruin it, which is the best thing about this movie is Robert De Niro's performance. <laughs> or maybe just yeah, his I, makeup? I, um, I
1: agree. Well, no, I think his makeup is good. Um, and I will say, too, I I kind of went into this assuming... Um, do you remember that movie that Clint Eastwood made about how Matt Damon can talk to the dead? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the whole time you're watching it, you get the sense that Clint
0: Eastwood.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like, you get the sense Clint Eastwood himself is rolling his eyes at this premise. He doesn't fully buy in. And I kind of thought that would be the case with De Niro, because I'm like, there's no way De Niro actually thinks this isn't bullshit. You know, like, he's just like, he just seems like such a serious person. But he actually, like, puts in a performance where any time it's just him. Actually, like talking and stuff, you're like, damn, this is pretty good, you know? Like, yeah, and he it's manages weird that he, like, uh, like he saves it, yeah, in a yeah. sense. Like,
0: yeah, yeah, he manages to elevate the fucking stilted ass dialogue, and yeah, like, he even, like, I don't, you know, I mean, it's Robert De Niro, but. He even manages to kind of stifle his very thick accent that he has. And so you don't think, like, my biggest fear was that you're going to go in and Frankenstein's monster was going to have, like, a thick (laughs) New York accent, you know? But no, he just (laughs) sounds kind of like, I mean, he sounds like a man, but he doesn't have any distinguishable accent. And so, yeah, like, at the very beginning, and again, like, he's disserviced by the movie because he escapes and he looks good. And then he immediately goes and lives in a barn and then he like meets the blind man, which is a pretty famous scene from Frankenstein. But just the way he's shot in extreme light in that movie is it's such like it it immediately like takes any danger out of the character. And I think Yeah. Yeah, I think what ends up happening is that Frankenstein isn't viewed as a monster. As much as just the dude who wants revenge against Victor. And, like, I'm going to call him Frankenstein, even though I mean the monster. I'm going to try not to. (laughs) I was just going to call him
1: De Niro, honestly.
0: But, yeah. Like, because, okay, so then he's talking to the old man. And then, for some reason, the old man's family comes back. And they just start beating him. And he, like, runs outside. And then he's like, I'm a monster. I'm so ugly. And then uh, he, like, sets the barn on fire.
1: He does kill their land. Like the landlord is harassing them right. for, for rent, and he does kill the landlord to, to try to help uh, them. Yeah, that's and called essentially... that's called a
0: community service, buddy. It's not a bad. Thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's gonna say woke Frankenstein. Yeah, um, yeah, no, it's it is very weird because they don't they really don't play up his menace or the horror of him. I mean, his ma- yeah. his makeup is actually really good. Like right. I would say that is kind of the strength of it but there's even the creation scene where and and i assume this is from like the book too cuz it there's a lot of scenes of this movie that feel like they should be iconic <laughs> but aren't <laughs> like when he he helps him out like like kenneth brana helps him out as he's just been created and he's kind of like helping him up but then he gets tangled in these chains and and it kind of like he like accidentally trips a thing and then the chains pull him up so he's like suspended like in the air in chains and then like uh victor frankenstein looks up is like my god what have i done and i almost feel like if this was at least like bram stoker's dracula it would have like that's when the hardcore orchestral music would have hit and it would have been this scene of like gothic horror but in this movie it's just kind of like Oh, all right, next scene. Like, it's very, like, it's, like, it doesn't believe in its own, like, majesty, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know?
0: And, like, another thing is that, um, is that, yeah, that scene, and then, like, okay, so he makes Frankenstein, and then Frankenstein gets tied up, and then immediately Kenneth Brown's, like, oh, what have I done? And I'm, like, you did the thing you were trying to achieve? Like, he hasn't even done anything <laughs> yeah. bad yet. Where again, but, like. like, I
1: get, like. I get the horror turn, and in a sense, in a, in a movie like um, like Dracula, where it's kind of dr- like people have these dramatic, theatrical turns, that would have made sense, and that's like what he was going for, but he just did it didn't <laughs> really fit with the kind of weird performance he had been putting in up to that point of this like kind of like generally likable guy. I don't know, you know what I'm like. The characterization is so inconsistent. Like that should be a good scene, but there's really like. There's just no emphasis on
0: it. Yeah. Know? So then, like after that, when Frankenstein, Victor Frankenstein wants to kill the monster, I'm still not sure why. Because, yeah, Frankenstein at that point has killed like the landlord and he like sets the barn on fire, but Victor doesn't know any of that. You know, <laughs> so it's like, why do you want to kill this dude, man? He's just a no. He's just a random guy. But yeah. So like, and then because the The monster wants revenge on Victor because he feels like he is a monster. And so he feels like since Victor created him, he should um, he should be the one. he should kill him because it's his fault that he's such a monster.
1: But this is also actually a good example of another weird tone change for the character because you know, it's like oh Victor swearing over his mom's grain immediately cuts to him playing in a meadow. This one, it cuts from him swearing to murder Victor Frankenstein and burning on a barn to him, like quietly playing a flute in the woods and being like, (laughs) Oh, don't be scared of me, child. Like, like like he's not. And he realizes after it's like Frankenstein's son, you know, but, or his brother. But, uh, He's, like, super, like, oh, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm an okay person, you know? It's, like, you just burned down a barn and <laughs> sweared, like, murder. You've, you know? killed, like it's just... you've killed two people, Frankenstein. <laughs> like, I just don't understand, like...
0: And here's... Uh, uh, it's frustrating, you know? Um, speaking of that, like, okay, so Victor burns down the house and then all this stuff happens. And then it cuts to... I mean, Frankenstein's monster. Now I'm just purposely getting them wrong. Hold on, I'm going to start that again. Yeah. <laughs> the, monster, the monster burns down the house, and then, like, he meets the son. But then it cuts to to Victor getting married to the sister? And then there is a very long, unexpected sex scene. <laughs> between, yeah, no, that was. Uh, or is that closer TV. to the end?
1: I also know because this is the strange thing: is that it cut, and this is again just just totally jarring in tone. Frankenstein does Frankenstein the monster shit. I'm doing it. Yeah, now. it's uh, hard not to. Damn De- you, pop culture!
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> De Niro inadvertently frames like the maid or something for like the death of the brother, and then he shows up at Victor's house. Is right. like, hey, meet me on the ice flats. Well, we'll where we'll duel to the death, or <laughs> something. Like it's a very it's a very weird setup for a scene. Uh, but then they actually go, and he kind of um, captures him, and then he takes him to like this little like like cave that, where he's living. Okay, no, and hold that's on, actually hold on. One of
0: the better scenes because let, let, I want to talk about the introduction, then you can get back to it. First of all, when he like. Gets Victor, he like flips him around, and yeah, we kind of cover, we kind of jumped over the brother, and then the and then the sister dying, or their like friend dying, but also it didn't matter. So anyway, he like he flips over, (laughs) he flips over Victor to tell him, and like he grabs him, he turns him around, and there's like lightning behind him. And it's like, yeah, that's really cool. If only you guys hadn't shown him in direct sunlight for the last two <laughs> scenes. And then, so yeah, he tells him, like, go meet me at the Soul Flats. And this is my favorite scene in the entire movie. Because. Oh, by far. It's where they debate? No. Like, the no, comics? no, no. Before well, then.
1: Be, where they fight?
0: Yeah, because, okay, Victor, or Victor is in the snow, and then the monster jumps out of his slow motion. And then he, because I guess kind of Brown doesn't know how to do action. He lands in front of him. And again, it's still slow motion. He lightly pushes him in a very awkward way. (laughs) And Victor slides down an ice slide that I guess the monster has made for him. It almost looks like the Mario
1: 64 level where you're racing the penguin. (laughs) He just zips right into the (laughs) cave.
0: He goes into the slide. And I was like, that looks pretty fucking fun. I'm not going to lie about it. It's baffling because, like, you just come off of Victor getting turned around by the monster and De Niro, like, threatening him. And it's a very effective scene. And then it cuts to Frankenstein jumping like a dummy and then landing and lightly pushing him. And then they both slide down. (laughs) <laughs> An ice slide, like it's the fucking Goonies. It's the funny
1: too. Uh, like later, and this is also because it do, it does put me in mind of near the end of the film, they very briefly tussle over uh, Elizabeth, the sister, and it's the most like you're in a high school play, right. and the the action says like this needs to be a fight scene, but no one you know no one wants to hurt each other, so it's the most like. Oh, we kind of shove and push each other a little bit to give the sense of a scene, you know. Yeah. It, it, it's it's like bizarre, like how little effort is put in for what sh- should have been the climax. But, but no, know, okay, that that is a funny scene. But the scene after it is legitimately good because it it's them discussing, like Frank, like the uh, the monster's nature,
0: right? You know. Yeah.
1: And like how he has the memories of the dead in him. And he is like shrouded in shadow, which is again like this would have worked so well if we hadn't seen him in full sunlight for every other scene up till now. You know, um, it's a great scene, but then <laughs> it basically goes from he's like, "Listen, I'm gonna kill you and your whole family unless you make me a bride, um, the a, a bride, bride of Frankenstein, guys. Yeah, you, you need to you need to bride me up.
0: Um, <laughs> he wants a bribe then, of a bride." <laughs> And then the next scene is like, Josh, 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 yeah. Josh. He wants a bribe of a bride.
1: I, I heard you. <laughs> I heard you say it. Uh, the next scene is him fighting with his soon-to-be uh, sister wife. And then he's like, oh, I, oh uh, De Niro shows up with the body of the servant who died. And is like, make her. He's like, no, I'm not going to use her. That's immoral. He's like, why do you care? It's a dead body. We just debated this. Yeah. And then he's like, no, get out of here. Another good. Get out of here. Another good point
0: <laughs> by Frankenstein's monster. He's he's two to one.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, he, he, he's definitely morally in the right in, in most of this. But then it cuts from this weird, like, I refuse to do it. And then it's just kind of like, well, let's just get married while he's threatening to kill us. Like, it's like the next day. Yeah. There's, like, time for our super, like, sexy honeymoon, you know? And, like... That's where the super drawn-out, like, romance scene happens.
0: Yeah, it goes from them getting married, and then I was like, okay, I'm still not into this relationship. I don't know why you guys think I would be, Kenneth Brenna, And then it's like, oh, no, now we're gonna fuck (laughs) for so (laughs) long. And I'm not, like, I don't know. I always kind of feel that most sex scenes are gratuitous. Uh, But this one especially, because it doesn't add anything it doesn't like matter and also that's his sister
1: so in no way in no yeah, way because it's it's in the same like um and i, I i'm gonna keep comparing this to bram Stupid dracula <laughs> where every sex scene in that is super overdrawn and like um like heightened but so is all of the violence and everything so it's like you no, know, this fits but in this movie it's so out of place like it's more explicit than almost all the action and, the like, right. violent scenes, you know? Yeah,
0: and also, like, again, <laughs> comparing it to Bram Stoker's Dracula, like, Bram Stoker, like, Coppola, when he made that movie, he's clearly, like, he wants it to be a horror movie, but above that, he does want it to be sexy. And, like, every scene, like, every character is, like, handsome or attractive in one way or another. So, like, it kind of fits with the tone of being over-the-top because it's like, oh yeah, everything's sexy in this movie. Where this movie is not sexy. It's it's like very point point blank. So to have like a weirdly sensual sex scene in the middle of it, again with a brother and a sister, I'm never gonna drop that. Um, it's such a weird. <laughs> it's such a weird case. I don't it's understand.
1: Weird in the, in the Brotherhood of the Wolf, the villain was the the nobleman who wants to sleep with his sister. And this time it's the protagonist. And he
0: was a bad guy. Yeah. Brotherhood. If you want to go see some fun sex scenes, go watch Brotherhood of the Wolf because you'll see the best (laughs) transition. Go listen to our episode to find out about that. Um, Our podcast episode, because I tried to do it on YouTube and YouTube was like, don't even dare post this. I don't don't care where you cut it.
1: All the French uh, movies we've, we've done have gotten banned from youtube
0: yeah don't don't make don't make movies about france but yeah so yeah back to the movie uh yeah so then like and again immediately after they have sex there's another really good scene where they're they know that frankenstein's monster i did it right this time guys um is it's there um but i have a friend who's named Corey, who i did an interview with um, and she like went on Twitter the other day talking about how she gets mad when it's Frankenstein and Frankenstein's monster when people don't mix it up. And I feel like she's going to hate me if she listens to this episode because <laughs> we just keep messing <laughs> up. But anyway, so yeah, they're looking for the monster and they, they're they like locked and loaded and then they can't find him anywhere. And then Halliburton uh, Hel- Carter finds him and he's like in the room and it cuts to her and she's kind of waking up and she sees him in the window like staring at her and then she goes to scream and he immediately covers her mouth and that's that's the best thing that happens in the movie because it's so well done and it's almost like did francis ford coppola just come in for this one day of shooting and just shoot this one particular moment because it doesn't <laughs> match up with anything else it's so stylistic and well done where the rest of the movie is not that at all it's almost like they just filmed the play
1: yeah. There's even um okay, so that scene he he tears out her heart.
0: Oh yeah, and then he tears out of her heart. I'm sorry, I was so like I was so excited by that <laughs> scene that I completely forgot that stuff happens afterwards.
1: <laughs> yeah. because I, well, I read he's like he tears out her heart, he's like, Ha, got ya. And then he kind of comically just flips her body from the bed onto the floor. (laughs) Like, it's such a strange, like, well, you already tore out her heart. I do not understand why they had to flip the body like a dick.
0: I do. (laughs) Like, Frankenstein's also inconsistent because sometimes he cares and sometimes. But he's also holding her heart and it pumps. And again, it's like, who's this for? Like, you can't get schlocky now, guys. It's too late. (laughs) <laughs> um, but yeah, and then here's another thing that I wanted to talk about. So, okay, so she dies, and then Frank Victor wants to bring her back to life. Frankenstein's monster thinks that it's for him, but it's not. It's for Victor. And he brings her back to life. And Carter, I mean, she's great. She's a great actress, but you almost feel like the only reason Kenneth Branagh got her was to do this part as the the bride of Frankenstein, because she does not have a character up until this point. Like, her whole character is just looking wide-eyed. Like, the whole movie, like, it's such a disservice to the actress. Yeah, it's, it
1: is to... it is very... Because they, they kind of do, like, conflicts of, like, I can't be with you because you won't tell me what you're doing, Victor. And then just the next, you know, she would be like, Actually, I still love you. Let's just do whatever you want to do. Like... Like she, there's
0: fake moments of yeah. like
1: conflict with her that never amount, and like it would have been the same if she was in love with him the whole time.
0: And every every scene so, has that because there's also the scene where she goes, "Hey Victor, I want to be married to you," and he's like, "Okay, I won't go to school so we can be married," and she's like, "You have to go to school," and he's like, "I I would rather be married to you, my sister, than um, than go to the medical school." And she's like, oh no, you can do both. I'll just wait for you. And it's like, so why don't you even have this conversation if they're <laughs> if we're gonna resolve it in the same like sentence? <laughs> but yeah, so and not only that, okay, so it's like, okay, well they got her to play um they got her to play the the bride of Frankenstein, and she is a good character actress, so she could pull it off. And she's literally the bride of Frankenstein for like maybe three minutes. Like she does nothing as a bride. She looks cool. But yeah. like again, there's just nothing for her to do, like And and see there is
1: like I don't know, and it's this is another frustrating. Like the cha- like the scene where he pulls him up on the chains. In this one, the scene of him like dancing with her half alive body and being super happy should be played as like super unsettling and it should just be this like like thing. But it like the movie doesn't really go far enough. To do, I don't. Know, it's kind of yeah. like immediately the monster shows up to be like, "She's mine." He's like, "No, give her back to me." And it's like, it almost like it's like the movie wants you to be like, "Look, he's trying to take her away." It's like, well, no, that's is bad for everyone. <laughs> yeah, but she shouldn't be really, alive. Like the dread of him dancing with her like half dead body and pretending he's like back in the field should be one of the most like like unnerving parts of the movie. You know, like that that's that should be like the true horror movie scene. And it's just so nothing. Again, it's just another scene where you're like, oh, this this should be, (laughs) like, a very big moment. And
0: and I can tell you exactly why it doesn't work. It's because in that scene where he's dancing with her, it's completely focused on Kenneth Branagh. And it's like, no, you need to focus on the both of them and you need to show, like, that she's grotesque and she's, like, rotting her, like, rotting. Like, in Dawn of the Dead, the remake, there's a scene where the guy... Is holding the baby, and she's the baby's like a zombie, and like, and like that scene is filmed in a lot of wide, so you see him holding a dead baby, <laughs> you see the mom who's a zombie who's chained to the room, and you see the dad who's like normal, and he's like, you're trying to take away my family, so you can see how fucked up everything is in that scene, where like if it was just a close up of the dad, you kind of like your mind will kind of forget everything that's going on around it cuz it's focused on what's happening in front of it. So that's why you yeah. don't do that and that's why you need to show how grotesque. And it's like I don't even know why because the mo- like her makeup is great, like show it off. And like he yeah. he uses so many wides. And this is the time to use a wide and he doesn't. He just focuses on himself. Yeah, it's so
1: close. Yeah. Um, it's just such a such a baffling choice there's actually just before that too there's what should be and again this is one of those things where it's like i could see why this should look stylish but you didn't really frame it right is where he's dragging her up the stairs to do the experiment and he has her in this super long red robe that's like trailing yeah Yeah, yeah. like where they go and it's like I, this looks cool, but you didn't frame it right and you just kind of gloss over it so it doesn't like it's not
0: very impactful.
1: I don't know. And like, that's
0: a, that's another thing is that I was watching that. and that like that you can tell that they built that staircase specifically for the movie and they use it a couple of times. but both times the way they use it, it's a grand staircase. They just kind of point it at the staircase like head on. And like it, it looks okay, but it could have looked so much better if you moved the camera to the bottom and shown how grand it was. Or you could have like had it following it. Like there's just so much you could have done. And like yeah. it's kind of like because to me like that stuck out because everything else I think is like at least real locations are trying to be real, and um and so or trying to be realistic. And so, like that sticks out because it kind of does look like something out of Bram Stoker's Dracula, but they never use it right, and they never really use it at all. And it's like, yeah, what it's, is
1: this? It just lacks like there's such such a weird lack of style, even when all the ingredients are there, like yeah. including set and costume, where you're like, I don't know how you made this unstylish, you
0: right? Know? Like, and it's a like, very, yeah, oh, and it's like when I say it should have gone towards schlock, there's. I mean, when you when people, most people think of schlock, they think of, like, you know, Thanksgiving, like, silly schlock. But there is, like, Sam Raimi schlock where it's, like, and Sam is like, the king of it. Where it's, like, there's a lot of stuff in Evil Dead that should be funny because of how dumb it is. But since Sam Raimi, like, frames it and takes it seriously, it ends up being scary. Despite the fact that he had, like, $20 to make that movie. But, and, like, that's what I mean. Like, even Bram Stoker's Dracula, it's like, yeah, like, there's a the part where he sticks the sword into the heart of the cross and it starts bleeding. It's like, that should be, like, ridiculous. But the fact that he's taking it so seriously, it works in the movie's favor. And this movie, not only does the realism not really work because it takes away any fear that you have, but it's... It's, it's so not schlocky that you're just kind of bored the whole time. <laughs> Even when, like, there's yeah. a monster attacking. <laughs> so, yeah. So then, after that, you know. Yeah, <laughs> this is where um,
1: she comes back to life. She's like, oh, no, I don't want to be a zombie. Why would anyone? And then she She, she burns herself. herself, yeah. She burns herself alive. And then this is where they have their famous kind of push and pull tussle between the two of them. Right. You know? Where it's just completely unremarkable. <laughs> and then I feel like Yeah I don't it know. After, yeah, I, don't I think He just cut straight back to the captain at that point. Yeah. I, I saw this movie three hours ago and I've already <laughs> completely like. And I
0: wanna I wanna tell you, if you guys want a real version of this story where they actually go to the Arctic, because Universal Movies doesn't do that. Watch Wishbone. He does it a lot better than he would think. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, it cuts back to the guy, and then Victor dies, and then, uh, and then yeah, the, the, captain the captain's, s- like,
1: that was crazy. Yeah, he this was like,
0: no, 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 he goes, well, that guy was a fucking liar. Anyway, back to it, guys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, then, and so they get back and then to the hero it. The shows up.
1: Yeah. yeah. And then he's like, oh, my father. I'm- yeah. I'm sad that he's dead. He's like, oh, he was
0: my father, even though I wanted to kill him. And then they set up a funeral pile. And then uh, the ice starts to break. So the monster goes to it and sets them both on fire so that they both die together. And then the guy's like, okay, now I understand that obsession's bad. I didn't get it the first time. I also kind of got lost a few times because he was telling me about a monster. But then he started talking about his sister a lot. Now (laughs) I want to fuck her. I don't know. Um and then and he's like, Let's go home, guys And then I wish it had ended like a sitcom where it's like, <laughs> like just, it should it, it should cut back
1: periodically to where he's like Wait, like he's like over Kenneth Branagh. As he's nice. like, wait, so wait, what? What about that bully you brought up and like made a whole thing <laughs> to, to mention your college bully? They oh, sh- he doesn't come back into the story.
0: Yeah, he should. He <laughs> like, should have been. He should have been played by French Savage from The Princess Bride and be like, Jesus, why are you telling me this? <laughs> <laughs> What's the point of this it, story? It also, like,
1: it fr- the way it frames the story too is that, um. Victor's literally running to the very ship. He's like, we need guns. We need to kill him now before he kills us all. And you hear the monster in the distance yelling. And they sit like the dogs get loose and chase and he kills all the dogs. But then it just cuts to them in the cabin. And he's like, well, no, now I'm going to spend two hours telling you this. It's not... Is this, this whole monster thing not as urgent as you think? Let me <laughs> let me lay it out, starting from childhood. I mean, you know, you
0: yeah. know when we we're I knew we were in for a rough time. Is that it? Cuts to the guys and they're in the ship and they're like digging in the ice, you know, like in Frozen. <laughs> That's what I thought of first of all. Uh, they're digging in the ice and they're trying to like clear a path, and then it cut to Kenneth Brana, and he's almost completely in fog, despite the fact that when it cuts back to the ship, it's pure sunlight. <laughs> And I was like, "Oh, he doesn't understand that you can't you can't just do that. You can't cut from one side; it's completely sunny, and the other side it's super foggy." I was like, "Oh no, this is not this is not good." Um, it's, uh, it's, it's a real rough ride. Yeah, and like the movie's so like there that it's just um, like when it ended, I was like, oh, "Okay." Like, there was no, like, oh, that was the ending. It just felt like... Yeah. It just felt like it ended. It, it was no... Like, I didn't even feel like the story had really ended, because the story was more about the captain at that point.
1: I don't know. Yeah, I, it's, it's such a weird... Well, and they even, too, like, they kind of do is Like, instead of just having it be a somber moment, because they, they like, give a... They're going to do, like, a funeral pile, you know, for... Uh, Victor Frankenstein, and then the monster's just standing there, and then he chooses to stay and like burn with him, you know. But before that, there like there's this sudden big action scene where the ice cracks and like people are falling in, and then yeah. he falls in the ice and has to get up on the flow and it's just like, why didn't you just have him walk over and be like, I'll stay here, like, yeah? Like, it's just such a such a weird thing to happen in the last two minutes of your movie that it's just like. I almost feel like Kenneth Branagh knew the movie needed something else, but didn't know <laughs> what. So she's like, action scene right at the end. Fuck it. I don't give a shit. You
0: know? Yeah, it, it, it feels like at that point it's like, okay, this is when you needed it to be somber. Your movie has been... Yeah,
1: like there's no... Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it's like, instead of that... Because then it almost feels like the monster isn't sacrificing himself because he realizes that they're both monsters just kind of feels like it was between that or victor's body not dying so it kind of feels more like out of respect than it should because the monster doesn't like victor that much and neither does the audience at that point so yeah it's just such a weird like it's almost like
1: it doesn't want to linger on tragedy despite the fact that it has to be a tragedy yeah that it is a tragedy
0: yeah yeah and i feel like that's perfect is that it never wants to, you to consider how sad the story is, and it's kind of like Which when is, we when well
1: we because it's like that's what it's all about, you know? Like yeah, it's like it doesn't want you to realize you're watching a horror tragedy, <laughs> right. so it does everything it can to prevent you from like getting in that mindset. Like, yes, yeah. yeah,
0: like when we watched *Stir of Echoes last week, I kind of like remembered. How depressing that movie is, because like the girl who died was like nobody's really looking for her, and like the sister is like desperate to find her sister and they have no clues, and Tom is like depressed and middle age and stuff. And like, yeah, it doesn't linger on it, but you always get that sense of like how depressing certain situations are. And in this movie, you never get that sense. Also because the movie won't stop yelling up exposition at you any chance it gets. <laughs> yeah. Like, we know what every character is thinking all the time and not because they show it, but because they say it. And it's like Robert De Niro doesn't need this much dialogue. He's, his whole career is based around him saying, or him not needing dialogue and him being able to do everything from his, like, expression. So, yeah. I mean... See, but if if you took that away, though, like, I think
1: the probably the best 20 minutes of the movie are him yeah confronting people or talking to people and you know that's like there's nothing else to like even the scenes of him living in that family's farm and like spying on them to kind of like learn you know humanity in a sense is like better than anything Victor does you know yeah when he finally left there i was like oh man i was actually hoping they would kind of like stay here a while longer you know
0: yeah the monster is infinitely more interesting than victor which shouldn't be the case in any adaptation but especially not in this one cuz we spend so much time with victor and his and his hot sister love so yeah <laughs> and then and yeah and the, just the the score is
1: so like if you had told me like it just it feels such like such a generic kind of period piece fantasy score, you know? Like, yeah. feel like, oh, this was the score they used for the BBC adaptation of <laughs> fucking Much Ado About Nothing. I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. Because it kind of feels like that like kind of light, whimsical, old tiny music, you know? It's never really... It's never, like, a horror-type vibe. Yeah, you know? and
0: I think, like, the main problem with the movie is that, yeah, exposition heavy. Um, sister love heavy but the main problem is it it doesn't have it feels like a drama that happens to have a monster in it as opposed to a horror movie or a monster movie and even if they they decided that victor was the monster and he's the main antagonist that's fine they could have done that easily because he's like in love with his sister and he's a weirdo but they didn't like they didn't decide to make anyone the antagonist so you don't really know exactly who you're supposed to be rooting for and who you're supposed to be as scared of. I mean, yeah, like, the monster does rip out the the sister's heart, but that's, like, the worst thing he does for me, I think, you know?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's a very... It's kind of... I almost feel even the reasons for him turning evil are very like, all right, you know. Yeah, they always... One family was mean to him. Yeah. yeah,
0: they never really let him be senseless killer, which you kind of would need, because in this it's more like... Like, instead of it being a story about a monster, it's more of a story about a guy who takes his revenge too far. <laughs> and again, like, yeah, it just... It doesn't work because since I don't care about the Victor character, I don't care if he has revenge sticked upon him, you know?
1: You know what I very, what I was thinking when I watched it too, because it is such a mess until the the monster shows up, is that if you had just started the movie with him like waking up in that like alley eating garbage to survive and then him like learning every, like everything that happened to him and then like figuring out Victor's full deal and like, you know, like that almost would have been better because then the whole movie would have been about him instead of you know, this kind of weird piecemeal thing. You know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think <laughs>
0: so. so yeah, I think if we're trying to find the good in this movie, the good is definitely Robert De Niro and his performance. Um yeah, I I wouldn't recommend watching it, but it's definitely like you know, it's not it's not the worst thing to watch, but it's also
1: Yeah. Makeup's good. The the sets are good. His lab looks really cool. Yeah but this just, again don't really Like, when you see his attic where he's doing his friction, I was like, damn, that's cool as hell. And then after that first scene of, like, the wide of it, it's not really emphasized again.
0: Yeah, like, if you... It's good to watch it to kind of see how important camera angles are. Because if you, like, especially if you watch this one in Bram Stoker's Dracula-like back-to-back, because it really, like... Like, the sets are good, the makeup is good, and it's just really the camera work... In far as lighting, framing, movement that really hinders the movie. Because it never really like... There was like a way... Like if you go back, if you watch it and you watch the scene where the mom is being... Is is giving birth and dying. The way that shot is so good. Or the scene with Frankenstein where he pops up. Those two scenes are so good because they kind of use the camera to help tell the story. And at no other point does the movie do that. (laughs) So yeah, it's... Yeah, I don't know. It's 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 not a great movie, but uh Robert De Niro's performance and the makeup and the sets. It it does it does give you something to look forward to if you do watch it.
1: Yeah, I mean there's there's good there just, just kind of know that It takes a good 30 minutes to to, to start start and then it goes and fits and starts, you know.
0: If you're a fan of sisters and brothers being married, this movie is is for you. (laughs) Um, But yeah, okay. So that was a bomb squad. It was definitely interesting to watch this movie. And like, I think that's the point is that we watched this movie and the immediate choice was not to dismiss it. I mean, I've never really watched a movie to dismiss immediately anyway but i think that's how you should watch movies like at least wait till the end to decide whether it's good or bad this movie yeah i was I, I
1: kept i kept hoping i was like here's where it turns he's in college it's gonna be a whole college thing nope that didn't pan out all right next scene next you know i was just like it also doesn't help that kenneth brown looks like
0: he's a thousand years old even when he's supposed to be in high
1: school <laughs> yeah when it's like i'm 20 i'm like are you,
0: are you sure you're not
1: 45 yeah um, i wanted the doctor least, you... to be like
0: shut up old man when he was when he was talking about he wants to bring someone back to life, but yeah, so this was a bomb squad. Uh, that was Victor. That was Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, not Victor Frankenstein. We'll never review that movie. Um, and yeah, give it a watch. It's on Amazon Prime. It's about to leave, but it usually comes back. Um, and I don't know what we're watching next week. I think we're gonna watch. I don't know. You I don't, just
1: said it. Bright.
0: We're gonna watch. We're gonna watch Bright, and we're gonna tell you how it's too good. It's too good for people to enjoy, um, but yeah. Uh, let's see, and if you guys have any ideas for movies you want us to watch and try to figure out what's good about them, or if there's movies you like and you want us to watch to prove everyone wrong, um, yeah, let us know in the comments below. So yeah, like and subscribe on our channels. We're getting more subscriptions every day, and we got a lot of we got a lot of podcast listens this week. So that was cool. Um, But yeah, this is Bomb Squad. We'll see you guys next time. I, I don't know why I said time instead of week, but whatever. All right. Bye, guys.